Welcome again to another episode of DC Comics News Podcast. This is episode 69. Uh, We are talking everything DC, movie, TV, comics, and other assorted news during these crazy quarantine times. With me today is Kelly Gaines. Say hello, Kelly. Hello. Hey, Brad, how are you? Good, good. And Steve J. Ray, how are you doing? Good evening, dear friends. I'm great. Thank you both. Hope you two are well. Yeah, yeah. Can't complain. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we can just dive on into some movie news uh, here. It looks like we have official uh, ra- uh, an official rating for Wonder Woman 1984. It looks like it's going to be getting a PG-13 rating. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? Yeah, I I was happy with this rating. Um, I I know the R rating is kind of the thing with a lot of superhero movies right now, but definitely for for something like Wonder Woman that has such a widespread appeal and that definitely did so well with the first movie, yeah, PG-13 fits it. Um, And I'm glad it still seems to be such a focal point of, like, this is what we're building excitement around as far as Warner Brothers with getting people back into theaters and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, PG-13 fits it and i am all the more excited steve it just makes sense the first one was a pg-13 and it keeps um younger teenagers out of the theater by themselves because um they can be a disruptive influence much like us every friday evening or um (laughs) the fact that they can actually go with their parents to watch the movie accompanied at 13 and over so that's great i mean it makes sense because it is more family friendly uh, unlike joker deadpool and some of the other uh, birds of prey it it needs to be a pg-13 i think just because of the level of the action and it's still a much more comic book movie so yeah it just makes sense and the fact that it's coming to a theater makes me happy especially when you see big movies that are also expected like the scooby-doo movie going straight to digital so brilliant um the fact that we're going to see wonder woman in theaters and cinemas just makes me happy i I think it's wonderful uh, regardless of the rating what did you make of it brad yeah i i I agree i definitely think that it's a good thing that we're going to see it in theaters i mean we've all seen uh, the trailer in the big screen and and the sound and just the overall visuals even in that trailer were pretty amazing so to see that in the big screen is going to be pretty special uh and as far as the um the pg-13 yeah that was not a surprise uh you don't you don't want an r-rated wonder woman it doesn't i don't know if that really fits the character especially at this point um so i I think that that is definitely on brand with the character and um yeah something that was to be expected and yeah i i I can't wait like i mentioned it was last week that there this could be one of the first big blockbusters that we we see back in theater so it'll be a, a happy day going to see this in the theaters and moving on speaking of release dates and movie theaters uh Shazam 2 and Flash received new release dates. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, the the release dates moving around makes sense um, in light of everything that's going on. Although it's interesting that the Flash moved up, it looks like, by about a month. Um, So I'm not sure what kind of wheels turning would make the movie move up instead of back. But in any case, like we've been saying, it's good to have 
solid dates that we can look forward to. So, you know, Shazam in November 2022, and then The Flash now in um, June of that year, I believe, instead of July. It's it's good. It, it gives us something to look forward to, even if it's a year from now. Steve? Yeah, having firm dates and not just delays and indefinitely is, is, is our bugbear. Is the thing we all hate. To actually get actual physical dates confirmed is a good thing. And it looks like Black Adam is going to follow shortly after as well, which is a plus because I, I do believe there's going to be some tie in there. But yeah, like you said, Kelly, um, Flash is coming earlier, even with the whole uh, Ezra Miller choke slam fiasco. I mean, what's happening there? Because... There's people saying he's been fired. There's people saying they're recasting. They're throwing names around like Andrew Garfield. I mean, that's just very, very odd to me. And uh, mm, it's 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 a very weird one to say the least. So if we get Black Adam in December and we also get Shazam in the same year, then brilliant. But I'm a little bit confused by the whole Flash scenario. That's uh, that's a strange one to me. But that's 2022 anyway. So who knows? What did you make of it all, Brad? Uh, yeah, it is a little strange that they would move the flash up. I don't know what the reasoning would be. And it might be one of those situations where it's just something that we, it's just some information that we do not know. That the powers that be do know, um, and maybe we'll we'll know more as we get close. I, and I, I am excited for both. Uh, and as kind of a troubled run that flash has had to get to the big screen so many delays and false starts that it's kind of funny to see that it of all movies it gets pushed up um you know i i, I just i, I want to see it I'll, I'll be happy to also go into the theater to see a flash movie and shazam 2 i i, I do want them to keep it a close uh, release date to Black Adam because I think, like you said, uh, you know they're going to be connected and that's going to be a fun thing to not have to wait that long to go see uh, to see Black Adam. So I hope that they keep that they keep that going. So I guess I guess we'll see. But I have a feeling also that this might be something that will change as you know 2022 is pretty far away. So we'll see what happens. Okay, and also speaking of release dates, uh, something that we've touched on before, but uh, we did get news of Batman release date being delayed uh, with a possible hint of a long Halloween connection. Uh, Kelly, what'd you make of this? Yeah, um, again, it, it makes sense that it would be delayed. And luckily, this isn't some far off, you know, 2021's far, but it's not that that far um and as far as there being a long halloween tie-in i i love that book it is a really good batman story i think it's one of the batman stories that you can hand to someone who has never read a comic book or never read a batman anything in their life and they'll get a good sense of the character a good sense of the universe and a really fantastic introduction to his entire rogues gallery um so if that's the story that they're looking to tie into this movie, I think it's a really good idea because this would mean that, you know, if there's an entire, um, you know, my generation and and our generation saw the Dark Knight trilogy and saw the Tim Burton Batman movies, but there's a whole new generation kind of coming into it now um, who this might be their Batman. Um, So yeah, I I can't think of a better story than the long Halloween to tie into that. What do you think, Steve? 
Oh, I love the way you phrase that, Kelly. That's beautiful because, yeah, you're absolutely right. For some people, they won't know Michael Keaton from Michael Jackson from Michael Jordan. They they just won't know what that is at all. And, and they'll probably watch that movie and think it's a kid's film. This could be somebody's first Batman. And that's hugely important. And again, echoing your words, The Long Halloween is one of the greatest Batman stories of all time. I mean, to me, that's, that's a trilogy up there with Lord of the Rings and the original Star Wars is Batman Year One. The Long Halloween and Dark Victory, because you can read them back to back to back to back. And it's one story telling the formative years of Batman and Robin as a, a crime fighting unit and as the heroes we know and love today. And you can, like you said, hand those books to anybody without them knowing a single thing about any of these characters. And they'll come out of it knowing everything they need to know. And I think uh, Brad and I may have talked about this on one of the shows we did by ourselves that it makes sense with so many characters being in this film that they've confirmed Joker, I say Joker, Penguin, Catwoman and others that um, it's a very character filled movie and doing it a long Halloween style where each one's just like appearing every month of the year just to cause Batman stress as he's trying to unravel a deeper mystery would just make sense. And um, like you said, Brad, one of the actual production crew said that, the delay to October was actually very fitting for the film, for the character and the character's history and classic stories. So if that isn't another hint that it's a long Halloween based film, then I, I, I don't know what is. So, yeah, great. I mean, Batman's a spooky character. He's a gargoyle. He's a figure of the night. What shows that better than a Halloween setting? Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Love it. What do you think, Brad? Uh yeah, I think I think October. I think that even if it is not a long Halloween uh, connected story, I, I still think that October is a good release day for a Batman movie. He is kind of dark and brooding, and that makes sense. Bats, you know, you see a lot of bat decorations at Halloween, so I, I it, it it is fitting. Uh, and if it was uh, somehow an, uh, an adaption or inspired by uh, Long Halloween, I think that that's a great thing. It's one of the classic all-time Batman stories. So it's up there with, you know, Hush and Year One at Dark Knight Returns as some of the classic go-to Batman stories. So that would be that would be nice to see. Um, yeah, and, you know, this is one of those movies that it seems like we have a story almost every week about it. So I'm sure that this picture will get clearer as we get closer uh, over the next uh, over the next few weeks, and moving uh, right along, uh, you know everybody's looking for things to watch these days, being quarantined, uh, and there is a new 20-minute featurette on the making of the Joker that is now on YouTube. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? I loved this video. Um, I'm such a I guess, featurette binger in a sense that I'll find one that I like on YouTube and then just spend the next eight hours watching ridiculous behind the scene videos or, or conspiracy theories about a movie. But this one was so, so good at putting kind of a, a picture in our heads of what it took to make the Joker as good as it was, um, you know, from the the composer trying to find the right tone of music to um, the director and Joaquin Phoenix kind of trying to learn how to work together um, and make the character as good as it was. And I thought it was really 
interesting and probably I, it might be something that um, people already knew, but that this wasn't so much a movie about, um, you know, societal problems or issues in our culture. It was a movie about just let's take this character and see what we can build into his life to turn him into what people know him as. And then for that to have come back and reflected so much of what goes on in the real world so completely in a way that we're getting all of these big philosophical ideas out of this movie would really, it's a very personal character study. Um, that says a lot for the talent that went into actually crafting the Joker as a character, both on the part of you know the writer, director, um, and Joaquin Phoenix. And then the entire staff as, as a whole, just to see that even the costumes and the layout of Gotham and what areas of New York and Newark they wanted to film and not film. It's just anyone who liked that movie, anyone who likes filmmaking in general would really probably enjoy this featurette. What do you think, Steve? Exactly that. This film just blew the world's collective minds. It, it came out of nowhere. A lot of people said they didn't even want it at first, but I know fans who uh, don't even care for these darker films that DC is famous for making, who came out of theatres blown away and who purchased this film as soon as it was available for release, who didn't even want to see it at first, because it's just that well-made, that well-directed, that well-acted. Everything about this film is just stripped back and laid bare like Arthur Fleck's soul but you still come out of that knowing whether did any of what I just watched actually happen or are these the delusions of someone who's locked in Arkham Asylum and the fact that you still don't know when you leave the theatre or when you get up off your your settee or your sofa after watching the film it's just a beautiful thing and seeing how loosely the film was made I'm not saying loosely in a bad way the way it was like good comedy it was almost improv that Joaquin and Todd Phillips were in a bathroom for over an hour discussing, yeah, this script doesn't make any sense. Why is he throwing a gun away? Is it just something that we see too often in procedural cop shows? What what would he actually be doing? He's just killed someone, but is that a joker thing to do? Would he even care about having that gun? And then Brad and I are, are well documented for loving the music for this film. That score is hauntingly beautiful and to have that explained that Joaquin just said well, why don't I just dance or something and Todd said oh well I've received some new music from the composers today what do you think of this and that's where that beautiful scene came from it's just wonderful and then we spoke a couple of weeks back about the Birds of Prey movie showing Gotham that we've never seen it before in daylight so did this movie and it was a filthy stinking sewer of a city and the way they've combined digitally and i didn't even realize they'd done it until they sh i saw it in this featurette adding the skyscrapers taking bits away and adding graffiti to the walls in a computer so using special effects in a way that they're not special effects they're just part of the background and part of the character of the city was just wonderful this is honestly one of the best 20 minute featurettes i've ever seen and i'm going to try and find a way of downloading it and keeping it forever because it is wonderful it blew me away uh, and that's why I was late to start recording tonight, guys. So thank you for for giving me for doing that. But I had to watch it. It's just yeah. fantastic. Brad, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was it was really good. It's just one of those things that just gives me such respect for the whole art of filmmaking, from the acting to everything. I mean, just it just goes how much 
attention is paid to every single detail, even it, uh, not to step into the whole fashionista thing again, but even when they were talking about the different, <laughs> different kind of textures of thread or, you know, of material for the suit, they wanted to be subtle so that the audience didn't notice, but that it looked different. And those little things, it's just, it's just incredible. And, and I'm Absolutely. glad that they touched on the score. They, they touched on so much also in such a little amount of time that it was pretty impressive. It's like, um, it's such a good overview. Uh, you know, yeah, the score, we love it. They talked about the score. They talked about, um, you know the acting, uh, him him losing the fifty pounds really quick, and just all all that. It just it just made me respect the whole the whole art of filmmaking in every degree so much. And I I did find it interesting, Kelly, like you you also brought up that, that that they were just they they weren't kind of like we said that they weren't trying to make a movie about the times. So it just kind of happened that way. Uh, and that's something that kind of surprised me because everything about it seemed very calculated to be making a statement on where we are now uh, as a country, uh, as a planet. So that was kind of uh, surprising to me. But yeah, this was a a pretty uh, amazing behind the scenes featurette. So I think we can all definitely say that you should go and watch it. And um, moving on, uh, looks like Warner Brothers has been considering and rethinking and, and re-clarifying statements on uh, theatrical movie releases. Now they're saying they are committed to and excited about releasing movies in the theater. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think this article was supposed to calm down anyone who is worried about um the future of cinematic releases for movies. But somehow it made me more worried, I think. Um, I guess because in, in my mind, it just wasn't something, it, you know, I assumed when the entire coronavirus shutdown is over that life would presume as normal. You know, we would all go start going back to theaters to see movies. Um, so the fact that there is kind of this fear about the long-reaching implications. I think it's one of those things I just put out of my head because it's too much to think about right now. Um, but yeah, it, it is a little bit surprising. Some of the movies like the Scooby-Doo movie that they've pulled out of theaters and it's going right to the digital release. Um, in a sense, I mean, yes, digital releases are really convenient and really great for people who might not have time to get to the theater. Um, but also it, it makes me worry about sort of that communal aspect of going and watching a movie with an audience and seeing other people's reactions and how different of an experience that is. So I, I'm glad that they're putting it in a frame of, you know, we're still expecting to let movies release as, you know, as we're used to. Um, but I, I think this made me a little bit uneasy. What'd you make of it, Steve? It, it is worrying. Because we're on a, living in a very, very strange world. And if you just said to me, even in January of this year, that we'd be locked in our homes for a month, two months, and, and possibly all the signs are indicating that it could be even longer because a virus had hit. I would tell you, you're, you're watching way too many Dustin Hoffman movies. What are you talking about? This isn't a comic book, but here we are. And the fact that it's affecting everything from being able to take a walk to how you shop and not being able to be closer than two meters from any other human being that you don't live with 
see the fact that your comics won't come you have to somehow make further arrangements for your food deliveries your groceries and you can't even go to a theater to watch a movie all our conventions are being closed down i mean it's a strange world it's a funny thing that this tiny little virus has affected the world um in ways that not even the blitz of world war ii did to london i mean when you see pictures of times square mm-hmm. empty without a single soul there and the heart of paris and the heart of london and you look at it and you think this is crazy this is like an apocalypse but no one survived it it's it's just a very strange world and like you said a big movie like scoob um which huge that had huge fan um excitement around it is going to digital in may which is only literally a couple of weeks away does that mean for sure that theaters will not be open next month it's it's kind of weird so i'm glad they're releasing the film they're not stopping it altogether but Hmm, yeah, like you said, Kelly, it has done as much to scare me as it has to reassure me. So, yeah, weird times. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, uh, the weirdness and the uneasiness just comes from a real sense of the unknown. We don't know when things are going to go back. And we really don't know what it's going to be like when they do. And movie theaters are a big thing. Uh, right now, there's this seems to be this like push and pull of the, uh, m- studios not wanting to release movies because they want people to be able to go and see it, and they want people to not to go and see these movies when they're not afraid to go to the theaters, when they're not staying away from movie theaters. So I get that, but when movie theaters open and there's no new movies to get people to come in, it's it's a real kind of exactly. chicken or the egg. So you know what what's going to happen? We don't know. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, me as I love the, the whole experience of going to the movies in the theater. Um, once movie theaters open, that'll be the first thing I do. But if there's not new movies, I don't know if I will right away. You know, if there was new movies to see, I'd be there in a second. Um, and as far as like, you know, there is a lot uh, riding on Tenet at this point because they do not want to pull that. For some reason, they are standing firm. With that um, July, I think it's 15th or so release date. Um, and, and I've said on the podcast before that, that Wonder Woman can be that, that movie that really kind of starts things back again. But I think one of the things that will get that ball rolling is if they can keep Tenet at that July 15th and ha- uh, get people back into theaters for that. Because uh, that would definitely be kind of a draw for people to go to the movie theaters it's christopher nolan and it's a spectacle that people love to see in the theater so uh between that and wonder woman hopefully that will get a lot of people back in the theaters and you know it's not dc related directly but something like scoob it almost makes sense at this point to release it digitally simply because kids are still at home they still need to be entertained and if you think about it spending 20 dollars to buy the movie digitally or $11 or whatever to rent it is a pretty good value for a family that would, if they were going to go to the theater, they would have to buy tickets for everybody, parents and kids and their friends. And that would be expensive, but for $20, boom, you have Scoob and you can watch it. So for a movie like that, it makes sense. But for a lot of these DC movies, I think it does definitely needs to be seen in the theater. 
And with that, that wraps up our movie news, and we can move on to the world of TV and streaming. Uh, so we got some news on kind of where the Sandman TV show was as far as production goes before everything shut down. And it looks like it was kind of close to uh, being ready to film, even though we don't really have any news on casting. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about this? Yeah, it, it's exciting to, you know, hear from a source as reliable as Neil Gaiman that production's moving well. Um, but yeah, it is really odd that we haven't heard any sort of casting rumors or casting confirmation, even though they're saying they have the sets built already. So to me, it's it, it that is bizarre, and I don't know if it's something. It, I I don't know what would really even cause that because typically you know a casting decision is what really gets people interested um although it's sandman so they'll probably be interested anyway i mean i I have a feeling this is one of the shows that my dad's going to watch even though he'll have no idea what it's based on but it just has that you know kind of larger than life draw um yeah so i'm glad to hear that it's moving forward although still a little bit concerned that we don't know who the cast is what about you steve you hit the nail on the head. It's unheard of for sets to be built and production to begin rolling without a cast, which just leads me to believe is that cast is in place, but they haven't announced it yet. For what reasons, I don't know. But I've got a feeling they've got a couple of really big names. And I do see big names signing up for a project like this one because like Brad and I sing ad infinitum anytime neil gaiman or sandman are mentioned that comic is far more than a comic it's literature it's one of the greatest sagas stories ever committed to paper and the fact that we're getting an ongoing series which i think is a much better idea for a story of this scope than any movie could ever do it justice i've got a feeling that we're going to get our proverbial socks knocked right off when they do announce who's playing whom and obviously morpheus is 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 essential but think about the rest of his siblings destiny death delirium um are they going to mention the missing sibling of destruction right from the beginning or is that like in the comics something that they're going to say yes there is another brother but we don't know where he is and he little hints and teasers get dropped so you do know who he is even before you finally meet him um i've got a feeling we're going to see some stunning incredible jaw-dropping casting news come out as soon as the cameras start rolling and as soon as production begins not just on this show but on everything else that's been delayed and that just gets me excited but you're spot on kelly and the article says it too sets built no cast Mm, i don't buy it what about you brad yeah, I I don't buy it either. I think that there is definitely uh, some casting in place. And it makes me also think that maybe they do have a definite like set vision on how they want things to look if they're already building sets and things like that. I just – I can't wait for the show. Um, the fact that we are getting an adaption, something that I never thought we'd see. I just thought it was kind of above and beyond what could be committed to – film of any kind whether it's tv or movie or whatever i just thought that it was just there's it's too dense there's too much um i i I just can't wait and any news that trickles out i'm excited about and you know 
I, like you said too, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some big names that are already assigned to this or just not telling us why who knows uh maybe the ink's not dry yet and they're just trying to make sure that everything's finalized before they uh make it public but um i'm kind of feeling like any news from this production is good and i just can't can't wait like i like i said i will call off work to sit and binge this first season when it finally hits uh yeah i i yeah i, I cannot wait so yeah the so say we yeah <laughs> and moving on uh looks like we got a uh release date for H- the hbo max uh streaming service uh kelly what do you think about this i i don't know i'm i every time i see anything about hbo max and i know even in this this release it said that um anyone who subscribes to HBO through cable automatically gets the service. But I'm like, well, what's cable? I have it through Amazon Prime. So I don't know that that counts. And then that kind of folds into, so am I going to have to pay for two HBOs? Um, You know, because obviously there's some really great content that's coming out through HBO Max and DC content as well. Like I am very interested to see what the uh, Justice League Dark project is. So... If anything, I'm concerned for my wallet, but also, you know, good. It dates where things are moving forward, good. <laughs> Steve, what do you think? Um, it's launching where exactly on May the 27th? That's my question. Um, mm. Is it going to be another DC Universe thing where it launches in the States and nowhere else? In which case, even with a date, I can't get excited because I'm still waiting for DC Universe. And that's the thing that really bugs me. WWE Network, within a few months, uh, Disney Plus, we got within a week or two of it launching in the States. Why are we still waiting for DC Universe? Is it because HBO Max will include it? Is it because if we have HBO already, we don't need to subscribe? It'll already manage to change over. They're giving us a date, but not answering many other, just like you said, Kelly, very important questions for people who may already be watching the existing HBO uh, through other means. So it's hard to get excited when the news is literally so vague. The only thing we're getting told about is some of the content, which is really exciting. We talked about Justice League Dark, uh, Green Lantern TV show. Yes, please. Who do I have to kill? Um, But who's getting it? We don't know. We know for sure the US, but is any other country, any other international territory getting it? Who knows? But if we do get it, the Not Too Late show with Elmo, guest starring Batman, has got my name written all over. <laughs> Brad, what do you make of this story? Yeah, I, I do. I, I, I feel like I'm one of the last people that hasn't cut the cord. I still, I have HBO through cable, so that makes me uh, happy about it because uh, $15 is a pretty expensive price point for this service. Um, it is high. You know, because most people out there, you know, $15 on the surface doesn't sound like much, but when you consider the fact that most people have a Netflix account and a lot of people have Hulu and Amazon Prime, and that's expensive, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of original content that's hitting it when it launches that is grabbing me. Although I will admit the Elmo show does look kind of kind of funny. I think the 
Cookie Monster as a co-host is uh, is pretty brilliant. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I just don't know what they're thinking. Um, you know, as as excited as I am for the Justice League Dark and all that stuff, we're probably going to have to wait a pretty long while before that hits. So, you know, I, it's it's interesting. I guess we'll see May twenty seventh. I'll definitely check it out. Um, probably one of the first things that I will do is rewatch the Joker because it looks like that will be on there at launch. So that that's that's a good thing. So we'll see. Okay, and up next, it looks like. Uh, we're going to have some resolution of Godspeed's plot line in uh, The Flash coming up soon. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about this? Yeah, Unfortunately, I don't have a huge opinion on this, only because I haven't seen a lot of The Flash. Um, so I know you guys will probably have a lot more to say. Uh, but I do think that I, I know we've talked about Godspeed on the show before, and this suit looks cool as anything this is a really cool suit if we're going to talk fashion um but yeah it's it's good to see that there's going to be resolution to something that i i think if i remember correctly when we last talked about it this was something that was just open-ended um so yeah it's resolution is good and this is part of my quarantine binge watching schedule i promise you uh steve what do you think yeah, it's one of those really annoying plot threads that has been left dangling for far too long, uh, especially as the Godspeed they showed bid no resemblance apart from the costume to the Godspeed of the comics, even changing his uh, alter ego, his, his face and his name beneath the mask. But then it was revealed that it was just one of those uh, remnants, a, 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 a version of Godspeed. So... The fact that we're finally going to get an answer just makes me happy because dangling plot threads are the bane of my life. And that's when I start getting stupid and making my own theories up. And oh, actually, sometimes I've got mm-hmm. quite a good success hit rate on, on what my guesses are. But every now and then I'm left uh, looking like a complete numpty. But yeah, this is one I'm looking forward to seeing. I love the CW shows. Yes, I'll admit it. I love the CW shows. We're a few weeks behind in the UK, but uh, the fact that it's still not coming back for a few weeks means we may be almost caught up when he returns. And if we actually do see the true Godspeed, we see someone who you don't know whether he's going to be a friend to Flash or not. If we meet August Hart, I'm going to be very happy. But the most important question is, Brad, does that gold and white really work for you, my friend? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I do. I, I always like the costume too, and I like Kelly. I'm I'm behind as well. Um, I, I saw up to like I think the. Um, what was it, the third or fourth season, the season uh, where uh, the daughter comes back? Um, that's as far as I got. And in that season, there, yeah, that we, Godspeed was only in one episode, and I thought that that was kind of uh, a little bit of a waste on that character, that I'm glad he's, uh, that I'll have, as I do catch up, that I'll have more to see see from him. Um, I, did, I did watch the um, Crisis episodes, but beyond that, I am a little bit behind as well. But um, yeah, I, I do like the costume, uh, and I I did like the character, so I'm glad that I'll get to see more of it uh, over the next, you know, as I continue to catch up on it. Um, moving on, uh, we got a 
kind of a TV 60s retro trailer for uh, DC's Legend of Tomorrow, Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, Kelly, what do you think of this? This looks so fun. Um, this actually, what it reminded me of more than anything else besides Star Trek itself is that that one episode of Supernatural where Sam and Dean are stuck in the television and they're moving through. Yeah, I don't remember if they're stuck in a television, right? Yeah. But they're they're moving through all these different shows, and there's like that uh that classic sitcom entrance and whatnot. It just it shows that do this kind of thing always end up being like a a favorite episode, basically, because it's just so quirky and silly. Um, yeah, it's it looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see this, Steve. This show has always been quirky and silly, never more so than the last couple of seasons. But to see those vintage classic Trek uniforms on the Legends characters and hearing Katie Lotz deliver her dialogue, Shatner-esque, pausing at almost every syllable is just a thing <laughs> of beauty. And like you said, these quirky shows where they just like travel through parallel dimensions and through the TV universe, it just end up being the ones you watch over and over and over and playing for your friends. And speaking of Supernatural, the Scooby-Doo episode was one of the best things I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. I could watch yeah. that forever. <laughs> it was amazing. But if you watch the trailer carefully, I did actually put it on a couple of times there's nods to tons of other shows walking dead you name it there's so much stuff in there to digest that when this episode does air yeah kelly i think this one's going to become a favorite and uh i can't wait to see the rest of this action what about you brad <laughs> yeah yeah it looks so much fun and i think i saw like a a little homage to buffy the vampire slayer oh, as well yeah. which so excited about that because that was that's one of my favorite shows of all time so as much as i love star trek that kind of grabbed my eye i was like oh look at that um but yeah the show is a lot of fun and uh you know these shows can be when they do have but they can be quirky and do things like go into the tv and speaking of buffy again it kind of reminds me of shows like that that could do that like the episode of angel where they were puppets and things like that it just seems like a lot of fun so yeah i think that uh, this might become one of my favorite episodes of the show, too, once uh, once it does come out, for sure. And with that, we're going to take a little break and uh, pay some bills and give you a little information on uh, our other uh, podcasts on the DC Comics News Network. So stick around, and we'll be right back. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week... DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, 
there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Welcome back to episode 69 of the DC Comics News uh, podcast. I'm your host, Brad Flicky, and with me is the amazing Kelly Gaines and the amazing Steve J. Ray. Uh, we've talked movies and TV, and now we're going to uh, move into what brought us all here in the beginning, uh, comics. Uh, up first, uh, we got some news that more DC Digital First comics have been announced, and it looks like they're pulling from the Giants anthologies. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about this? I like this. This looks like it's going to be fun, I guess. Um, all of the, you know, the DC Giants have been such a, I, I guess, I, I can't even think of a better word than just like a nice collection of sort of classic feel or classic stories for different, um, you know, the different characters. And I, again, it made me a little bit nervous to see this, the Digital First Initiative on the grounds that I'm such a, I'm a, I'm a physical comic book person. I don't really like reading digital comics, but with everything going on right now, this is definitely the best path forward. Um, and having something available like the giant stories is really, really good marketing on the part of DC because there's something that's just, you know, sort of like what we were saying about the long Halloween. Um, there's someone, there's something that someone who maybe hasn't read much of DC comics or isn't really familiar with the characters can pick up, enjoy a good story and kind of still get that classic feel. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see these. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. These uh, giant anthologies are fantastic. But like you, um, I need to hold the comic in my hand, turn the page, feel the texture of the page, smell the fresh ink, go to the comic shop to pick up my stash. It's just one of my favorite things in the world. But not everyone has that luxury or even the ability for people who... Um, read digital comics because that's the only access they have this is brilliant because they can't grab those 100 page giants um to see those stories reprinted and it's all the new stuff by the way it's not everything from the giants which has already been reprinted in other graphic novels and other collections it's the two brand new stories that appear at the front of all the giants that they're doing as digital first comics and some of those stories are amazing and by some really really great creative talents Brad and I have talked about this. I collect a couple of the titles. I collect the Batman Giant every month. I collect the uh, World's Finest uh, Batwoman Supergirl. And I collect the Swamp Thing Giant. So the fact that they're pulling the brand new stories out of these and setting them up digitally as well for customers who don't read physical books. Hey, listen, if people are reading comics, it doesn't matter how they're reading them, they're reading them. And we keep saying it, if it brings new audiences, if it gets people reading and, and gives this wonderful art form a new lease of life moving forward, then I'm all for it. Hooray. What do you think, Brad? 
yeah, I'm with you guys personally. I am not a fan of digital uh, digital comics. I'm just not. Um, you know, I can stream music, movies. You know, I don't need the. <laughs> I don't need the uh, tangible physical objects for any of that, but for books and comics, definitely. It's just missing something on um, just digitally for me. But I think that in the end, I know that maybe we're in the minority on that. Maybe people do like the digital comics and the fact that they have access to these stories and these giant anthologies because they're so good. I've been having a lot of fun um, reading through these giant issues. Uh, it's one of the first things that I did when we were quarantined was I kind of filled in all the um, mail ordered in all the missing issues from my giants collection just to catch up and, and start reading those all again. Uh, yeah, they're just, they're just really good. So anything at, at the end of the day, these are great stories and anything that gets more people reading, I think is a, a positive thing. So uh, yeah, yeah. So I guess uh, you know it, it is a good thing. And it looks like on the next new story is uh, there are some more rescheduled titles added to the uh, DC New Direct Market distribution channels. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about this? I'm really excited about this list. Um, just looking through it, there are some books that I personally have been really excited to get my hands on and either out of them not being released yet or sheer laziness I haven't um but specifically the uh Justice League Dark trade paperback for, for volume three I've been really yes. enjoying Justice yeah. League Dark for yeah. lately right like that is yeah. it is such a good story and also um Wonder Woman and Justice League Dark The Witching Hour I, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I have such a fascination with witchy nonsense. And part of me thinks it was because I was raised so religiously that it just, I naturally am drawn to the other side of things. <laughs> but um, yeah, there there is so much on, and, and Superman smashes the clan. I'm really excited for. Oh, such a good so, story. Right? But like, yeah, this is going much. to be a really fun, I don't know, ordering session for me, if that makes sense. But yeah, what, what about you guys? What do you think? The selection of books is just great. And like you all said, I mean, it's one of those things that regular listeners know. We are huge advocates, all four of us, um, for the Justice League Dark books. And oh, if you like witchiness, that uh, Wonder Woman crossover, uh, the witching out crossover is great. And the fact that the witching war comes a few issues afterwards yes uh, there's more witchy stuff coming kelly save your pennies <laughs> you're gonna have to spend them on these justice league dark books um <laughs> yeah this is so much cool stuff and with the uh recent news that they, they're gonna be making a justice league dark tv show please base them on these comics please 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 so yeah but we have to talk about the fact that uh these two new distributors have been uh pulled to pulled in and they're going to be releasing and this is this is hilarious um the second and third prints of some of these issues before all the first prints that diamond have hit the shelves because they've been holding on to them since before the lockdown so these second and third printings mm -hmm. are going to hit shops first so actually they're really the first printings aren't they 
And then when we get the first prince, that's going to be the second prince. Or is it just me? Because I'm going crazy and I live five hours in the future from you guys. And then we've got Damien, who owns yeah. both sides, who lives 12 hours in the future from me. And, oh, my God, I watch too much Doctor Who. I'm going boss side. Take me out of this Austin Powers Back to the Future nightmare. Brad, I'm rambling again. Help. <laughs> I, you know, I am still to this day wondering what happened to, uh, I, I think it was Robin issue 79. Um, I went in to get it. They didn't have it. They never got it in. And now it looks like one of the stories I read that there was like a second printing. I think it was uh, an issue that was supposed to come out this past week was that issue as a second printing. So, yeah, I don't know exactly know what's going on with that. It's very confusing. But, yeah, we all agree that having the Justice League Dark uh, books is great. People, if you're not reading them, read them. And. Superman smashes the clans, probably one of my favorite Superman stories ever. So I'm really glad to see that. It's just such it's a beautiful story. It's just so, so well done. So, yeah, I think that it's it, it's great that these books are are on this list for sure. So people, if you're not checking them out, definitely, definitely check them out. And uh, moving on. Uh, Looks like Diamond has removed a uh, gem rating from uh, Three Jokers and other DC Comics. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about this? I don't know. It seems it seems like a weird thing to do. Almost if it, like it, part of it reads almost as if it's retaliation. But then I I don't know. It's I would say I almost don't have a horse in this race because the gems wasn't something that really caught my attention in the past um yeah I don't know it's just it's a strange kind of I don't think it has anything to do with the qualities of the books it's being taken from I don't know but I I would assume not um yeah it's just kind of a weird thing Steve it's more of a thing for retailers really and for people who are really into the whole distribution side of things those gem ratings sometimes got excitement up because that's diamond saying yeah this is comics for you to keep an eye on but as art is so subjective a lot of the times back in the day when i used to go by that writing rating and pick up a book that diamond recommended and i was disappointed to me it's just a bit of a meh do i really care i know the books i'm going to pick up and i'll go by either the character in the book the fact of who it's written or who it's drawn by over any diamond rating. And like you said, Kelly, is this just a case of them being um, sore losers and throwing their toys out of their uh, playroom because DC have decided to think about the reader and find alternate ways of distributing their comics and they're not happy about it. I hate monopolies. I think there should be healthy competition, but I also care more about people who run these comic stores' livelihood. They need to have product that they can sell when they reopen. So um, how old are you, Diamond? Six? Brad, what do you make of this? Yeah, that, that, it, it does seem a little petty. And honestly, is it really going to affect people going out and picking up these issues? No, because I'm telling you, I don't care what Diamond has to say about Three Jokers. I'm going to be picking that book up. Oh, so. hell yes. Yeah, so the whole thing to me just seems a little ridiculous and uh, and petty, and I just I just hope it's not a sign of chaos to come when these shops do reopen. 
because um, it just seems like that could just be a potential nightmare. Um, you know, so Diamond, if you have to throw a tantrum tantrum, throw it now and get everything out of the way so that it doesn't really interfere with fans when they do come back into these shops and support these local comic shops that need it so bad right now. Listen uh, to Brad. Brad is wise. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and moving on to some other news. Uh, looks uh, nine, uh, Jim Lee and some 99 more artists are drawing Batman for the Hero Initiative uh, 100 project. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about this? Oh, I, I love these Hero Initiative books. Um, I think I have the Wonder Woman 100 project. And I think I also have the Ninja Turtle 100 project somewhere. And it's still in a bag because I forgot about it and I don't know what box it's in. But um, yeah, it's it's a really nice way to support, um, you know, the community that actually creates comics. And, you know, it's we've all done the creative track in life somewhere. So, you know, we're all aware that it's not necessarily the most financially stable track. Um, so to have something out there like the uh, the 100 projects and the Hero Initiative is really really good, and it's it's just uh, if anything a further example of the fact that the comic book industry, especially at this point in time, but then also you know this is just a further back example, really tries to find ways to help each other out and support each other. Um, yeah, this is it's it's great, and I think Jim Lee is really going above and beyond right now to be useful in such a dark time um so so good for him steve it's just makes me happy to see a man of his talent and honestly his importance in the industry because he's not just the guy who draws comic books anymore he's one of the most important men in one of the biggest comic companies in the world and not only is he sketching pieces of art which are just jaw-droppingly beautiful on a daily basis to help sustain comic stores that are having financial difficulties and, and book retailers. Now they're also helping fellow creators who are, for whatever reason, struggling either financially or with illness and health. And that just makes me think, damn, not only do these guys write and draw heroes, they are heroes. And that just makes me love this industry even more than I already do. I love comic books. I love everything to do with comic books, reading them, collecting them, saving them, watching TV shows and movies that are based around them. And now when we see that these brilliant talents behind the books we love, love them as much as we do. And not only them, they love their fellow artists as much as we do. It's just something that makes this weird, crazy world we're living in right now seem a little bit brighter and, and add that little bit of hope that Seth has emblazoned on his <laughs> chest underneath his shirt shine all the more brightly. It's it's fantastic. I, I love stories like this. What do you make of it, Brad? Yeah, it is very uplifting. Uh, it's always nice to have with all these delays and all this uncertainty about distribution and and everything it is nice to have these stories of people coming together and kelly yeah you're absolutely right he has really gone jim lee has really gone above and beyond uh what he has to do so it's uh hats off to him he's he's really he's really been an important factor during all this to help these comic shops pull through so 
uh, yeah, he he he's a hero for sure. Uh, backing up just a bit, there was one other comic story uh, that I did forget to mention, and uh, that is that DC Comics will be uh, continue to be distributed by uh, Diamond. Uh, Kelly, would you have to say, think about this? I've started calling it game of distributors in my head because I'm I feel like the more I read about this the more confused I am um so DC is using other distributors but also using Diamond Diamond's possibly mad at DC um everything's hopefully opening back up around May end of April and it's I I don't I'm, I'm lost basically I I think at this point it's you know, good that comics are getting out there. Um, frustrating that there seems to be so much conflict in the process. But Steve, did you do you have more to enlighten me on this? It is confusing, but long and short of it is, Diamond um, took over distributing comics almost solely decades back, and they've held that grasp on the throne for all those years and it's taken this pandemic to throw them out of king's landing and into the streets and now the usurpers the starks of the world the ucs and lunar distributors have taken the diamond throne for their own and really it's a good thing because it means people are going to get comics sooner it means that retailers are going to have money flowing through their check to, through their tills through their bank accounts faster and diamond aren't going to be out of business because every other comics company seems like they're sticking with diamond so they've been too powerful for too long they're not going to lose that much of a market share. They still have all the books sitting in their warehouses that they haven't distributed yet. And if things settle down back to normal, um, Lunar and UCS might have a small share or become a regional thing. And maybe we'll start seeing books in stores and supermarkets and places like that again. And that's just a good thing because just having to travel to a comic book store isn't a way to get new readers and kids interested in these books again because not everyone has got access to them so uh, yes it's a complicated game of politics and ink and people in tights beating each other up but that's about as clear as i can make it brad what did you make of all this yeah I, I, kelly i'm glad that you said the whole thing seems confusing because it, it does seem a little bit confusing uh to me as well i guess as as a fan i just want the books to be in stores i want people to be able to pick them up uh, i you know as soon as possible uh and, and steve you're absolutely right there should be a little competition and no matter what diamond's really not going to lose that much of the market in the distribution business, no matter what. And, oh man, you, you know, you just brought something into my mind that I didn't even think about how great it would be to have comic books back in things like grocery stores and pharmacies and things like that. Right. Uh, that's where I first picked up my first comics was pharmacies and, and grocery stores and things like that. Uh, back in those days, going to a comic shop was like a special thing that I would get to do maybe once a month, you know, uh, other than that, it was those, those, uh, more easily accessible 
places. So I would love to see that happen. So if that could happen, then I'm I'm, I'm absolutely absolutely all for it, for sure. Um, yeah, man. Like like we keep touching on this episode, there's a lot of unknowns, and hopefully sooner rather than later, some of these things will get cleared up. Uh, but until now, but until then, it's just kind of a it's just kind of a waiting game. And moving on, uh, uh, New York, like uh, a landmark comic shop, Forbidden Planet, is raising money to stay open. Kelly, what do you think about this? This story is so heartbreaking. Um, you know, I, I think we've been talking a lot about the steps that the comic book community and publishers like DC have been taking to keep stores open. Um, so seeing the flip side of that and seeing where maybe that's not necessarily enough for, you know, stores that in spite of all these efforts are still floundering, it's kind of the reality that I think, at least for myself, I've sort of pushed out of my head and thought, okay, you know, we're doing a lot. There's, there are cogs moving, things are going to be back to normal eventually. Um, but at the end of the day for retailers, for people that own businesses, that's just not necessarily the reality um you know and it it is good that we live in a culture now where you can set up something like a gofundme um and kind of get that message out there but it definitely it just hurts to see it hurts to know that we're going to have some of these really terrible long-range impacts um and yeah I, i really do hope the best for them that's if that GoFundMe is definitely something to check out. Steve? Yeah, help these retailers out because they are a little thumping heart that's pumping the blood of comic books through the veins of the fandom. And when this heartbeat stops, it's just going to be heartbreaking. It's just going to be a terrible, terrible thing. And I don't like seeing any business shut down when it's no fault of their own, when it's something that's completely out of anybody's control. So if there's any way you can help these stores by, if you have orders reserved there, if they're doing curbside, if they're doing mail order, get your pull list, pay for it, pick it up any way you can, because that's the other thing that I'm really having to praise DC for is that they're doing that uh, through Jim Lee's sketches, through the artist initiatives that are going on, through the fact that they're using other distributors to try and get books to stores sooner rather than later. For all the good news we've had this show, this kind of news is just the worst. It's it's horrible. In the UK, Forbidden Planet are massive. They're a chain. They're a network. There's a Forbidden Planet or two or three in every major city in the UK. And I hope that they're not suffering the same way this Forbidden Planet is in America. I don't know if it's a franchise or a licensee or something. I don't know how that works over there. But um, I'm going to pray that they stay open. And if I am lucky enough to have my annual trip to NYC this year, I'm going to pop in there and spend a few bucks in Forbidden Planet to to help them uh, recover and get back to where they need to be. So keep fighting. Don't 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 stop. And people, if you can help these businesses please do. What about you, Brad? Yes, if you're listening and you can help save uh, Forbidden Planet, please, please do. Uh, you know, 
I always talk about how I love going to Midtown, but right up there uh, is Forbidden Planet. It's a really fun shop, a very, like, the top place to go if you want to get toys. So if you're listening to this and you're in the New York area and you like collectible toys, action figures, things like that, Forbidden Planet is a great place to go uh, for that. Uh, and they have a really good discount section uh, as well. So it would it would break my heart to see this store shut down. Uh, it's it's Union Square is one of my favorite areas in the city, and one of the reasons is that when I'm down there, I can go to Forbidden Planet, and to not have that there would just be really, really, really sad. So once again, if you're listening and you can. Uh, help these guys out please do because it's it's definitely a uh a fun comic shop and steve if you've never been there you should definitely definitely check it out next time you're in uh New York. oh i have to now i know it's there where is union yeah. square in relation to times square and uh, the rest well of union union square is around like the 14th street in broadway is right oh, so not far really so if you've ever been to strand it's like really close to the strand bookstore so it's they're like you know almost next door to each other so yeah, hit me up and uh, we'll definitely make sure that you go over there. Oh and, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, one last story for uh, this episode: uh, DC is partnering with uh, uh, Ani Press and Lion Forge, uh, to, with and Bink for the United Fund to benefit U.S. comic shops. Uh, Kelly, what do you think about this? Yeah, this just goes right back into the hopeful part that there are publishers and companies who are working really hard to make sure that at the end of all of this, we don't see a lot of stores closed and we don't see a lot of, um, you know, smaller comic book communities impacted. And it just it's heartwarming to see. And at this point, I'm so proud as a DC fan that this is. This is the horse that I've bet on. I do have a horse in this race. So I am really, really just proud and and happy that there is this effort going into keeping stores open. Um, And there there was actually a a line in that article just about the fragility of the things that make us happy. And it's so harrowing to think of things that way that, you know, this, like you were saying, Steve, a, a little virus and the entire world's on its head. And yeah. we don't know at this point. There's, you know, the uncertainty that when it opens back up again, it's not going to be the world that we knew before it closed. Um, so at least, you know, we, we can see through this that there are companies really trying to keep this afloat. So, yeah, I'm this. This makes my heart happy. Steve? This is a great story to end on, because like you said, it is that little shining light at the end of the tunnel and i think i have to say that when this episode goes live i'm going to be sharing these two links in this article so that people who want to who are able to and who can afford to contribute to these causes can do it's literally just a click away and you can help keep us-based brick and mortar comic shops open and it's a an amazing thing um i'm going to speak to people i know in the industry here to see if there's something similar going on in the uk because it's it's a wonderful thing and it needs to be done so people um listening to this show 
check out when Seth, Brad, Kelly, and I share this online and follow these links if you can. It could help save your local comic book store, and that that's just vital. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, you, you guys, you said it all. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's it's another one of those stories where it's the industry's coming together and um, doing what it can to try to have each other's back, and that's really nice to see. Uh, and, and it is a definitely worthy cause. And, and CVA, you're right when we share some stuff definitely definitely check it out um and guys just bottom line just do what you can to, to try to support these these comic shops if it's mail order or whatever you can do they really need it right now um yeah so it's 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 a great thing and uh it's good to see that they're doing their part uh jim lee has gone above and beyond but dc is doing a lot too and that's and that's nice to see so, and with that, that brings another episode of DC Comics News uh, to a close. Uh, you can uh, follow us uh, online. Uh, it's, every social media is at DC Comics News. Uh, you can find uh, the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, Apple, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, and check out our other shows on the network. Uh, I am the Knight Spinner Rack, uh, and the new one, Mad Love. And as far as our hosts go, Kelly, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at KelGainsWrite. That's K-E-L-G-A-I-N-E-S-W-R-I-T-E. And doing a opinion and editorial pieces for DC Comics News. Steve? Um, if you're into audible entertainment, you'll find me on this show most weeks, as well as on our new Mad Love Harley Quinn cast, the show for Insaniacs and adults only most weeks. Um, you'll hear my own little show, I Am The Night, every week, too, where we talk about Batman the Animated Series and across Tinterwebs on other guest spots as well. If you're more of a writing fan, just Google search Steve J. Ray for links to my news reviews and interviews on both DC Comics News and our sister site, the Batman-related Dark Knight News. If you want to chat, if you want to give us some opinions, some feedback, please do hit me up on Twitter at E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. Brad, what about you, sir? You can find me on DC Comics News, uh, writing news and reviews. Uh, you can also hear me talk about Harley Quinn with the rest of you guys on the Mad Love podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And with that, guys, uh, we like to uh, end the podcast with a familiar phrase, and that is to read more comics. Until next week, everyone, have a good one. See ya.